I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. It's time to get cozy in bed and listen to tonight's story. Our sleep story tonight is the second part of Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle cannot say no to any animals that come to his house, and soon, no one wants to bring their animals to him anymore. His sister leaves, and he runs out of money. The animals talk about how to help him, but he is not so interested in their ideas. He feels money is a nuisance. When a swallow arrives with a message for Dr. Doolittle, they worry again about money. No matter how your day was, let's forget about it for now and focus on slowing down and feeling relaxed. Close your eyes and feel warm and secure. Next, I would like you to take a slow, deep breath in through your nose, as big a breath as you can and as slow as you can, then slowly let the air out through your mouth. Taking deep belly breaths helps us relax at any time of the day, but it's a great habit to have before bed. Try it again. Take a deep breath in and let the air slowly flow out. Take a deep breath in and now out. Breathe in deeply filling your body with air and relaxation. Breathe out slowly, expelling any tension. Try to keep breathing slowly and deeply as we continue with Dr. Doolittle, part two. And soon now the doctor began to make money again, and his sister Sarah bought a new dress and was happy. Some of the animals who came to see him were so sick that they had to stay at the doctor's house for a week. And when they were getting better, they used to sit in chairs on the lawn. And often, even after they got well, they did not want to go away. They liked the doctor and his house so much. And he never had the heart to refuse them when they asked if they could stay with him. So in this way, he went on getting more and more pets. Once, when he was sitting on his garden wall enjoying the evening, an organ grinder came round with a monkey on a string. The doctor saw at once that the monkey's collar was too tight, 
and that he was dirty and unhappy. So he took the monkey away from the man, giving him a dollar and told him to go. The organ grinder got awfully angry and said that he wanted to keep the monkey. But the doctor told him he had better take the money and just go. John Doolittle was a strong man, though he wasn't very tall. So the man went away, and the monkey stayed with Dr. Doolittle and had a good home. The other animals in the house called him Chi-Chi, which is a common word in monkey language meaning ginger. And another time when the circus came to Puddleby, the crocodile, who had a bad toothache, escaped at night and came into the doctor's garden. The doctor talked to him in crocodile language and took him into the house and made his tooth better. But when the crocodile saw what a nice house it was, with all the different places for the different kinds of animals, he too wanted to live with the doctor. He asked if he couldn't sleep in the fish pond at the bottom of the garden, if he promised not to eat the fish. When the circus men came to take him back, he went so wild that he frightened them away. But to everyone in the house, he was always as gentle as a kitten. But now the old ladies grew afraid to send their lapdogs to Dr. Doolittle because of the crocodile. And the farmers wouldn't believe that he would not eat the lambs and sick calves they brought to be cured. So the doctor went to the crocodile and told him he must go back to the circus. But he wept such big tears and begged so hard to be allowed to stay that the doctor hadn't the heart to turn him out. So then the doctor's sister came to him and said, John, you must send him away. Now the farmers and the old ladies are afraid to send their animals to you, just as we were beginning to be well off again. Now we shall be ruined entirely. This is the last straw. I will no longer help you if you do not send away that alligator. It isn't an alligator, said the doctor. It's a crocodile. I don't care what you call it, said his sister. It's a nasty thing to find under the bed. I won't have it in the house. But he has promised me, the doctor answered, that he will not bite anyone. He doesn't like the circus and I haven't the money to send him back to Africa where he comes from. He minds his own business and on the whole is very well behaved. Don't be so fussy. I tell you, I will not have him around, said Sarah. He eats the linoleum. If you don't send him away this minute, I'll, I'll leave. All right, said the doctor, go. It can't be helped. And he took his hat and went out into the garden. So Sarah Doolittle packed up her things and went off. And the doctor was left all alone with his animal family. And very soon, he was poorer than he had ever been before. With all these mouths to fill, and the house to look after, 
and no one to do the mending, and no money coming in to pay the grocery bill, things began to look very difficult. But the doctor didn't worry at all. Money is a nuisance, he used to say. We'd all be much better off if it had never been invented. What does money matter so long as we are happy? But soon the animals themselves began to get worried. And one evening, when the doctor was asleep in his chair before the kitchen fire, they began talking it over among themselves in whispers. The owl, Tutu, who was good at math, figured out that there was only enough money left to last another week if they each had one meal a day and no more. Then the parrot said, I think we all ought to do the housework ourselves. At least we can do that much. After all, it is for our sakes that the old man finds himself so lonely and so poor. So it was agreed that the monkey, Chi-Chi, was to do the cooking and sewing. The dog was to sweep the floors. The duck was to dust and make the beds. The owl, Tutu, was to keep the accounts. And the pig was to do the gardening. They made Polynesia the parrot, housekeeper, and laundry, because she was the oldest. Of course, at first, they all found their new jobs very hard to do, all except Chi-Chi, who had hands and could do things like we can. But they soon got used to it, and they used to think it great fun to watch Jip, the dog, sweeping his tail over the floor with a rag tied onto it for a broom. After a little, they got to do the work so well that the doctor said, that he had never had his house kept so tidy or so clean before. In this way, things went along all right for a while. But without money, they found it very hard. Then the animals made a vegetable and flower stall outside the garden gate and sold radishes and roses to the people that passed by along the road. But still, they didn't seem to make enough money to pay all the bills. And still, the doctor wouldn't worry. When the parrot came to him and told him that the fishmonger wouldn't give them any more fish, he said, Never mind. So long as the hens lay eggs and the cows give milk, we can have omelets and curds and fruit, and there are plenty of vegetables left in the garden. Winter is still a long way off. Don't fuss. That was the trouble with Sarah. She would fuss. I wonder how Sarah's getting on. An excellent woman in some ways? Well, well. But the snow came earlier than usual that year. And although the old horse hauled in plenty of wood from the forest outside the town so they could have a big fire in the kitchen, most of the vegetables in the garden were gone and the rest were covered with snow. And many of the animals were really hungry. 
That winter was a very cold one. And one night in December, when they were all sitting around the warm fire in the kitchen, and the doctor was reading aloud to them out of the books he had written himself in animal language, the owl Tutu suddenly said, Shh, what's that noise outside? They all listened, and soon they heard the sound of someone running. Then the door flew open, and the monkey Chi-Chi ran in, badly out of breath. Doctor, he cried, I've just had a message from a cousin of mine in Africa. There is a terrible sickness among the monkeys. They are all catching it, and they are dying. They have heard of you and beg you to come to Africa to stop the sickness. Who brought the message? asked the doctor, taking off his glasses and laying down his book. A swallow, said Chi-Chi. She is outside on the rain butt. Bring her in by the fire, said the doctor. She must be overcome with the cold. The swallows flew south six weeks ago. So the swallow was brought in, all huddled and shivering. And although she was a little afraid at first, she soon got warmed up and sat on the edge of the mantelpiece and began to talk. When she had finished, the doctor said, I would gladly go to Africa, especially in this bitter weather. But I'm afraid we don't have enough money to buy the tickets. Get me the money box, Chi-Chi. So the monkey climbed up and got it off the top shelf of the dresser. There was nothing in it, not one single penny. I felt sure there was something left, said the doctor. There was, said the owl, but you spent it on a rattle for that badger's baby when he was teething. Did I, said the doctor. Dear me, dear me, what a nuisance money is to be sure. Well, never mind. Perhaps if I go down to the seaside, I shall be able to borrow a boat that will take us to Africa. I knew a sailor once who brought his baby to me with measles. Maybe he'll lend us his boat. The baby got well. So early the next morning, the doctor went down to the seashore. And when he came back, he told the animals it was all right. The sailor was going to lend them the boat. Then the crocodile and the monkey and the parrot were very glad and began to sing because they were going back to Africa their real home. And the doctor said, I will only be able to take you three with Jip the dog, Dab Dab the duck, Gub Gub the pig, and the owl Tutu. The rest of the animals, like the dormice and the water voles and the bats, will have to go back and live in the fields where they were born till we come home again. But as most of them sleep through the winter, they won't mind that. And besides, it wouldn't be good for them to go to Africa. So then the parrot, who had been on long sea voyages before, began telling the doctor all the things he would have to take with him on the ship. You must have plenty of pilot bread, she said. Hardtack, they call it. And you must have beef in cans and an anchor. I expect the ship will have its own anchor, said the doctor, 
Well, make sure, said Polynesia, because it's very important. You can't stop if you haven't got an anchor, and you'll need a bell. What's that for? asked the doctor. To tell the time by, said the parrot. You go and ring it every half hour, and then you know what time it is. And bring a whole lot of rope. It always comes in handy on voyages. Then they began to wonder where they were going to get the money from to buy all the things they needed. Oh, bother. Money again, cried the doctor. Goodness, I will be glad to get to Africa where we don't have to have any. I will go and ask the grocer if he will wait for his money till we get back. No, no, I will send the sailor to ask him. So the sailor went to see the grocer, and soon he came back with all the things they wanted. Then the animals packed up, and after they had turned off the water so the pipes wouldn't freeze and put on the shutters, they closed the house and gave the key to the old horse who lived in the stable. And when they had seen that there was plenty of hay in the loft to last the horse through the winter, they carried all their luggage down to the seashore and got on to the boat. The catman was there to see them off, and he brought a large pudding as a present for the doctor because he said he had been told you couldn't get puddings in those parts. As soon as they were on the ship, Gub-Gub the pig asked where the beds were, for it was four o'clock in the afternoon and he wanted his nap. So Polynesia took him downstairs into the inside of the ship and showed him the beds set all on top of one another like bookshelves against a wall. Why, that isn't a bed, cried Gub-Gub. That's a shelf. Beds are always like that on ships, said the parrot. It isn't a shelf. Climb up into it and go to sleep. That's what you call a bunk. I don't think I'll go to bed yet, said Gub-Gub. I'm too excited. I want to go upstairs again and see them start. Well, this is your first trip, said Polynesia. You will get used to the life after a while. And she went back up the stairs of the ship. They were just going to start on their journey when the doctor said he would have to go back and ask the sailor the way to Africa. But the swallow said she had been to that country many times and would show them how to get there. So the doctor told Chi-Chi to pull up the anchor and the voyage began. And that is the end of this part. Good night. Sleep tight.